0: hello and welcome to local legends i'm chi outdoor fitness coach and i am your host local legends is a conversation with passionate cyclists who impact riding in southern california and specifically san diego here comes my next local legend Hello, hello, everybody. and Welcome to episode 25. I'm so stoked to have Sam Ames from Rock Cobbler as my next local legend. So if you're wondering, gee, Bakersfield isn't SoCal. It's actually Central California. You're right. It's not SoCal. But if you are in the gravel uh, world, or you hang around enough gravel people, you hear Rock Cobbler, a lot in conversation. It's almost like Mufasa, you know, in that movie, what, the Lion King, when they said Mufasa and everybody goes, Ooh, when you say rock hobbler, you get lots of faces, lots of looks and like, Oh, that race. And so, um, that's how I was introduced to the rock cover. I was actually more scared of it than anything. And when I heard more about it I got more intrigued. And then when I heard it's just beautiful and just tons of fun, stupid things, I thought that sounds great. Um, so I was really excited to get Sam. I thought about it, and even though technically it's not SoCal, I kind of consider Sam and Bakersfield are SoCal cousins, so to speak. They're just three hours away, maybe four with traffic, and enough people come from SoCal to Bakersfield, a, a huge con- contingency of us. So I thought, hey, you know what? Let's 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 talk to Sam and see about more about rock cobbler and more about Sam. Um, super down to earth uh, type of guy. And I had really good time in this conversation about his experience writing, about the race, and just about him as a person, his grit, his attitude of let's just get get it done and figure it out as you go. So without further delay, um, here comes my next local legend. My next local legend is Sam from Rock Hobbler. Sam, thank you so much for uh, your time today
1: thank you for having me my pleasure
0: Uh, yeah and congratulations 10 years in coming up here with rock Cobbler.
1: it's nuts we uh (laughs) we had a little debriefing kind of a meeting at the venue yesterday and several of the guys who were with me originally are still around and we just were all kind of shaking our head (laughs) i can't believe it's been 10 years so really wild oh yeah
0: Uh, fast huh
1: Quick, you have to sort of I feel bad that I never kept a diary. Like it would have been, I mean, I can go back and think of things from each year, but all the details are kind of hard. So sometimes I rely on uh, people that are have a better memory than me to go through all the fun stuff. Yeah, good. We're we're super excited.
0: Yeah. Um so you know, local legends is about the people. And so I want to make sure I'm I'm careful. We're not here to talk about rock cobbler, although that is the big part, especially with it coming up um in in about three weeks. Um, I bet you have a countdown um, but I want to know more about Sam um, and who you are and you know the person that came up with this idea of gravel riding through Bakersfield. So I presume you ride your bike and you've been racing so how did you start riding and where, what did that look like?
1: Yeah so I started um, I started Got my first bike in 1985. So early 1985. And the story was I'd seen a little bit of bike racing on TV. And in in those days, you know, it was five or 10 minutes here and there. And so I remember seeing Perry Roubaix, and it was muddy and it was pouring rain. And I was just fascinated. I'm like, what are these guys doing? This is nuts. Um, and I played baseball. So I was, you know, really active in baseball at a young age. And and I wanted to go to college and play ball. And, you know, that was really my focus. But I don't know, I kind of found the bike and um got into just riding and loved the freedom. And then I got into a boat of racing as a junior and you know, the rest is history from there. So, you know, it's just been a huge, huge part of my life for decades now. And, uh, and I just, I love it. I, I can't imagine life without the bike. So it's, yeah, I raced quite a bit, went to Europe for a while when I was younger. Um, wow. did some masters racing. And then I just kind of told myself, I'm like, when I turn 50, that's going to be the end of um, hanging up the, uh, the racing shoes and everything will just be for fun. So yeah, nowadays it's, cobbler stuff and, you know, get out with the buddies and, uh, stay fit and just kind of enjoy it.
0: What happened to baseball?
1: You know, I, I just, I just quit. I, I had the, I was just in love with the bike. Uh, And I remember I was a pretty decent ball player. I, I don't know that I would have ever been turned pro, but, um, I remember my senior year of high school, my, my high school coach was so mad at me. I mean, just like furiously mad at me when I walked in and said, I'm not going to play this season. I'm I'm going to do a triathlon. So that was actually kind of the next thing was I then I found triathlon and I'm like, I got to do that. Like that looks just really hard and challenging. So I, I just kind of transitioned into endurance sport. Um and yeah, that that didn't go over well. My senior year was a little rough, but um, yeah, you know, we got through it and actually ran into him years later and you know, was pretty fit at the time. And he was he was super happy for me. He's like, you know, you followed what you wanted to do. And he goes, that's how life goes. So it all worked out.
0: That's rad. So in 85, it sounded like that's when you were in high school, you were in high school at that time then.
1: Yeah, so I was a junior in high school. And then so my senior year is when I did um, try finally kind of took a year to sort of, you know, figure it out. And I swam in a backyard pool. I mean, I literally swam in a residential pool. <laughs> so my, uh, my aunt had a, a pretty nice house, maybe five or six miles away from my mom's house. And so I'd run to her house and swim in the pool and then run home and then you know, it was, I was, I didn't know what I was doing. I mean, it was, it was pretty raw. There was no training. There's no <laughs> tools. There's no, I mean, it was just like, I don't know. I'm going to just do read, read stuff in magazines. I'd wait for a magazine to get to me so I could read what I was supposed to do. So yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time.
0: Oh my gosh. Uh, and then what triathlon did you train for?
1: I did. So I only did two and I did both of them at, at Lake Castaic in uh, San okay. Yeah. That was an hour faster the second time I did it than the first time I did it. So it it worked out on just the learning curve and the bike and being better at the swim. I I never stuck with triathlon because I I got to be honest I just not a water guy I hated swimming. So the bike sort of spoke to me more and I went in that direction. Yeah.
0: So you saw Perry Roubaix when you were in high school and you went and got a road bike or did you? Yeah.
1: So I was. Yeah. It was great. I was working. Uh, you know, we're here in the Central Valley, we have a lot of agriculture. So mm. at the time in high school, one of our one of the base guys that played baseball with said, hey, I have a summer job opportunity. There's these guy, family people that we know that they grow table grapes. And so back then, they would hire young kids to be what they called scale boys. So they would literally take a piece of rebar steel and weld it to a big scale and put a handle on it. And so you would walk up and down the rows where they're packing the grapes. And you would weigh the boxes and they're like 40 or 45 pounds each and you would do that for eight hours so you get pretty fit doing that so i and i was making five dollars an hour and i was rich so i had all this money i was saving money i didn't have any expenses and i remember um had 280 dollars. and i remember going down to the bike shop and i bought a motobicon mirage sport for 259 and that was oh. my first right guy
0: fantastic man yeah. talk about saving money and like just getting I bet you were not just rich but ripped
1: <laughs> oh god i was just i mean we were you know you'd get up at four in the morning and go out there and then they have these trucks that are coming in the trucks are loading the grapes and so yeah it was a guy i look back on it, it was a ton of work but um in those days you know for us that was a lot of money like we were doing great we had the best job of anybody
0: <laughs> how did you get from buying a 250 dollar bike to racing in europe
1: uh, so I had that bike for a couple years and then when I could afford a nicer, um, sp- I bought a specialized LA that was sort of like my first uh, racing bike mm-hmm. and I bought that bike because, um, I don't know if you remember the movie, uh, I think American Flyers, you know, Kevin Costner and, mm-hmm. and I don't remember the other actors, um, Ray Don Chong, I think. And so anyway, there are, you know, racing bikes in Colorado and that bike was in the movie <laughs> and it was red and it's like, oh, you got to have the LA sport, So I had that bike and then kind of, you know, went out of the, when I got out of juniors, I was racing cat three and I won a couple of races and there was just a progression. So at the end, towards the end of my senior year, I had an exchange student from Spain. So he was living with another family and it wasn't going well and they were older and didn't have kids. And so I kind of befriended him and he came to live with us. And that was probably one of the biggest impacts because they are still good family friends now. Um, and talk to him you know all the time and it's awesome so when he went home i went with him just as kind of a senior trip so while all my classmates were going to hawaii or mexico or family or whatever i went to spain for two weeks and loved it and so the next january um i went back wanted to go race and so i took my bike um kind of befriended some people so i lived there for about six months and um you know, got a big dose of reality of what, you know, at the time, so it was 1989, oh, 90. So, you know, big, dose of what, uh, what racing was like in Europe and how difficult it was. And, you know, I, I considered myself pretty skinny and fit at that time. And all they would tell me is like, you're too fat, you got to lose weight. So, yeah, I, I carry a lot of weight in my upper body. And so they're like, yeah, no, I don't want to see you back until your computer has 400 miles on it. So I was doing 400 to 450 miles a week just to try to, you know, get skinnier. And I mean, those days it was just piles of miles. That's all you kind of knew. So anyway, that that was good, but it was rough. Like there was no other Americans. That was a time where it was just nobody spoke English or on your own. So an incredible life experience but it got really difficult, you know, and I got a little homesick and I was like, all right, I'm going to come home. So I came home and actually ended up losing probably like eight or 10 more pounds, just racing and training and doing stuff. So I went back the following June and had some top 10 results, like much, much better level. Um, I probably could have stayed and done a little bit of, you know, what we would call AAA racing, maybe some pro racing. I don't know, but, um, same sort of thing. I had a, a, a girlfriend here and I was just like, uh, I had fun, but I'm going to go back. So when I came back, I got, you know, got a job and <laughs> the, I still raced and rode a little bit, but not like I used to. So that was kind of the end of it. Yeah. 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 Love Spain. Yeah, I love Espanol. That
0: is so cool. So nothing to do with the mountain bike. Nothing
1: to do with uh, Yeah, I did a little bit of everything. So okay. uh, road racing was predominant, but I did ride the mountain bike. I had a mountain bike and I always loved the dirt, which was later as a master's rider. Well, when I was younger, I would do a little bit of cycle cross, and cycle cross eventually became my favorite discipline. But in, when I was young, there were, there was no racing. I mean, the, we would drive all the way to Santa Cruz to do the surf city series. And, you know, that was a little bit of a good hub of cycle cross back then, Don Myra, Lawrence Malone. I mean, a lot of legends from up in the, in the Bay area but i didn't do a lot we i did a few and and um and it was cool but it was just such a long haul and there was i think one race in san diego you know maybe way back in the day but um later as a masters rider when when cross was really going through a major growth spurt um, I was putting. I wanted to put on races here because we had a really good park and good courses. So we did races here, and then you know did Dorothy Dorothy series for a number of years. And so yeah, involved in cross for a long time later, and um, had some good success there. You know, just regionally, and and you know went to nationals a few times. So
0: I was going to ask you this, but uh, are you from Bakersfield, born, raised? Like,
1: yep. yeah, I was born over. I was born in Africa, so my dad's in the military. So actually, my mom and dad were both in the military. So he's from the East Coast and my mom was from Bakersfield. So they separated. And when they separated, we moved back to Bakersfield. And yeah, I've lived here my whole life.
0: Oh, wow. How long were you in Africa?
1: Uh, Like a year, not very long. So we were in Somalia and it was, you know, that was 1969. So it was really volatile. That was right before that whole Ethiopian and and, um, Eritrean region was you know, getting very, very um, uh, unruled and, yeah. and you know, starting up. So they shipped us out pretty quick. And my dad stayed for a little while. And then, you know, he came back.
0: Oh, wow. And uh, okay, so there's military background there. I won't go. I won't go into that uh, rabbit another hole. But um, you racing going from the sound triathlons, very, like, as a kid, I completely understand, like running, you swim, you run, you're doing the things. But with biking, you just went from, okay, you got a better bike, and then you went to Europe. Like, did it happen that naturally? Or were you like, no, I had a coach, I had people, I had, you know, did someone take you under your wing? Or you just kind of...
1: Gr- I had a book. <laughs> there's, a, oh, you did? there's a famous book that I still have called Bicycle Racing by Eddie borchwitz And okay. and at the, that generation... That, that was all we had. There was no, I mean, some people probably did maybe some of the kids that were at a higher level than me, you know, national racing and whatnot, but it was just cut your teeth. I mean, I can distinctly remember doing several, um, junior races and other races and tennis shoes, you know, like didn't have cycling shoes yet. Didn't really understand, you know, maybe I had a pair of shorts. So it was just, you just figured it out. Um, And at the time we had a pretty good contingent. It was very small. Like there's so many people riding bikes in Bakersfield now, back then you knew everybody, like there was 12 people that rode bikes at a, you know, a level that was competitive. So I would go on Tuesday night group rides and Thursday night group rides and just keep figuring it all out. Um, You know, went through two broken collarbones and junior crit races and, you know, just, just kind of kept going. And so the better I got and the stronger I got, then, you know, I just kept just doing races. So there, yeah, there wasn't a lot of formality to it. Eventually you got to, I got to a point when I was, you know, before i went went into Europe, kind of knew all the the big basics. Um, And then from there it was, yeah, now you kind of have a coach or you have a team captain and you have these people that are teaching you things and doing stuff. So it just was a kind of a slow progression, but a lot Mm -hmm. of it was pretty self-taught.
0: Wow. That's, that's impressive, uh, grit there.
1: Um, different generation. I mean, it was like, if you wanted to ride a bike, you just went and rode a bike. You didn't, you know, go to Dave and Amanda's training camp. I mean, the resources that people have now are just, is phenomenal. And I love it because, yeah. you know, I work in the industry and so I'm all about more people on bikes.
0: Yeah. Um, that's awesome. I had no idea you raced in Europe, so I am. I'm yeah. glad I asked about your background because, yeah, because you you put on a, such an amazing uh, event, and my brain either thinks you either like to have a lot of crazy fun, or you're you're exposing people to what you grew up with, or like. So I was like, there, you sh- you know, learn well. I am for me, when you go to somebody's race, you kind of learn a little bit about the person that put it on. Yeah. um you don't look like you're 50 by the way (laughs) i'll be
1: 54 next month
0: oh is that your birthday is it rock cobbler your birthday right?
1: no my birthday is in march so i'm fudging a a few days but but, uh, it's it's coming up quickly it seems like
0: oh very cool well let's get into the rock cobbler a little bit we kind of mentioned it already um it's 10 years so what happened 10 years ago that you were like i want to do this race and was it called the rock Cobbler at that time or how did this all yeah, get so
1: it's, a, it's a yeah here? So the it's a fun story. Um we were doing rides kind of like the cobbler for a long time. I mean, okay. even back when I was younger and racing cross, you know, we've got some good foothills and a lot of things that you've seen. And so we kind of had this landscape, but we didn't ever think about it, you know, gravel riding or adventure riding like that was not a, a thing. You know, it was people were racing mountain bikes or doing maybe a little bit of cycle cross. So it just took time, but two or three of the buddies who are still involved have been riding as, as long as I have. And I think in some way, we all thought at some point this will kind of come to fruition. Like we w- we definitely talked about it a long time ago, but it wasn't a thought like we should do a thing. It was just, hey, let's go over there. Hey, today we're going to ride up this and blah, blah, blah. So the motivation came when we went to Belgian Waffle. So mm. that was 2013, uh, 20, 2012, 2012. And um, we met Michael and, and Jim and got to know some of the guys through another mutual friend. We didn't know any of them from anything, but we'd heard about it. And it was like, oh, you have to, it's an invitation only. And it's like 50 or 100 people. So we got into the ride and we went down and that was when they had it at SPY. Mm-hmm. So we did it. And I think it was 100 people total on the day. We had an awesome time. It was it was just, we came home and was we like, that was so cool. And they did something that we've kind of been doing. And we got to do it on road bikes, which for us was a natural, you know, we, there were people walking through rock gardens and we were just railing it going, man, we love stuff like this. So we came back and it wasn't, I wouldn't say that moment wasn't the indicator. We were out on a ride, just, just screwing around. And I said to one of my friends, I'm like, you know what? BWR was so awesome. Like, look at all the stuff we have. We should do like a a ride, um, but we'll have more dirt. And we just So we're like, yeah, let's do it. It's a fun thing. And um, my buddy, Matt Thompson uh, was in front of me and and he just kind of turned around and he goes, let's call it the rock cobbler. And we just stopped. Like everybody literally stopped and stared at him and went, oh, that's perfect. So that was how that started. And then that was, I think, November or October, November. So then we said, okay, let's do it in February and you know then we started drinking beer and then we're like nobody's (laughs) gonna come to this this is stupid because we started thinking up like we're gonna make them do push-ups and we're gonna make them go up like the stupidest hills we can find and it's gonna be really hard And and that's exactly what happened it started going and then we put a little bit of stuff together and then the big kicker was neil shirley so neil um a friend a mutual friend had reached out to neil and said hey we're gonna do this inaugural ride it's probably not gonna be much but and and he was, you know, we kind call of called Neil the, the grandfather or the original of, of gravel racing. So he calls me and says, hey, I want to come over and check out your ride and do your thing. So a bunch of people I knew from cyclocross, they were like, hey, this sounds fun. We want to come. So I think we had 45 or 50 people that first year. And it went really well. Like, we didn't know what we were doing. And it was it was very um, basic. And so for the first three or four years, it was kind of like that. But it continued to grow. And, and then I would say... I don't want any more than a hundred. Uh, I don't want any more than 150. So to get where we are at a thousand is part controlled growth and part like oh my gosh, that seems like an overwhelming amount of people to have come do this. But so humbly grateful for all the support over the years and um, yeah. So that's that's how it started. To answer your question,
0: yeah. And why February?
1: Because it's green. Usually, um, we've had a few warm years. Uh, Last year was not crazy warm, it was warm. But typically, this is the time when we get rain. So December and January, if it's, you know, a normal year, a good year, this year, we've had an exceptional amount of rain. So it's very green right now. But yeah, it's just a nice time. I mean, it's hot here. Sometimes it can get hot as early as May. And it doesn't really cool down till almost November. So, oh, got um, it. you know, I mean, in, in terms of like having seasons and so November um, just made sense. And then we didn't really have to worry about, you know, gravel is starting to get kind of a calendar, but you, a few, <laughs> even just a few years ago, not really so much. There's no real season. It was just when is there going to be an event? But now that it's it's got a bit of a racing aspect, there's there's sort of that. So we just stuck with it. It was like, we've got a good spot. Don't mess with it. We did go April um, during COVID because we had to bump out of February, and luckily, we were able to pull it off. But other than that, it's always been the first or second week in February. Yeah. Well, so it's second week now because the Super Bowl is always the first weekend, and we literally had a pretty good rider base that wanted to watch the Super Bowl, and now the freaking Super Bowl is, <laughs> is the day after this this year. I don't know why they changed it, but uh, it is what it is.
0: So, oh, that's too funny. Uh, I never th- think about that. Um, yeah. And- what your first year when you had the 40 50 people was there a length in mind did you guys just go for 40 50 miles or did you make it massive like the bwr
1: you know we no it wasn't we never wanted to be that long mm-hmm. um so when we all did bwr that was well when we first started thinking about it that was the thought but we knew we wanted to do more dirt and we mm-hmm. will and we have so much short steep punchy stuff and you know, 10 mile an hour average is not uncommon for most people at the cobbler. And so I got to thinking, I'm like, there's not enough daylight. Even if we tried to do 130 miles with the terrain that we use, it'd be like 12 hours for a lot of people. Mm -hmm. So that kind of went out the window. And then we just thought about time. And we Mm -hmm. said somewhere between five to eight hours, depending upon Mm -hmm. the fitness level of the individual. So that based on the courses that we use, that usually works out to as yeah. small as 75 and as big as 100. I think one year we got pretty close to 100. Um, yeah. And it's always a reiteration. Like I I try to find unique things every year. There's some stuff that are staples because people really like it. Plus there are connectors, but we try to find unique stuff every year. And so this year will be uh, 84, 85, somewhere in there. And that's that's a real good number because it it's heavy right now. This We rode yesterday and the soil is still kind of heavy in a lot of spots. Yeah, so Very rideable, but just heavy, just Velcro-y.
0: Yeah. And then um, did, was the idea that you guys could do it on road bikes or did?
1: No, like, it... nope. <laughs> that went out the window really quickly. And so at the time we all had, you know, cross bikes. So we didn't have okay. the tire clearance that we have now, but we were riding on, you know, 33 or 34 millimeter tires. Pretty skinny um, by today's standards. But no, we we wanted to do gnarly stuff. That was the immediate thing of we're, we're going to do stuff, mountain bike level stuff. On this bike because that's the challenge. Like, can I do it? Should mm. I do it? Probably shouldn't do it. Okay, let's <laughs> do it anyway. And that's so that's why when people you know come sometimes they're like, dude, I should have brought my mountain bike or I should have done this. And I said, well, the experience is how we created it, and the creation was cross bikes. And you know, so like we did a lot of hiking and walking and getting off and you know doing stuff that probably is a little nuts, but uh, yeah, that was the that was the that was the 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 start of it all.
0: Yeah, I remember finishing the race last year, and some guy had a mountain bike, like a hardtail, and I'm like, "Oh man, I thought about doing that." I mean, halfway through because I had my gravel bike, and he's like, "Yeah, you know, it's like each each way, but it's good to know what your guy's intention is." Like, yeah, you probably should do it on a mountain bike, but that's the whole point. Was-
1: yeah, we there a lot of people do, and and we always tell them we always have fun with it. Bring anything you want, uh, just don't bring a road bike now. You know, the vegan cyclist came with a semi road bike last year, Um, and I have had, we have had people do it on like 28 millimeter road tires, and it's pretty rough. It's doable. I consider myself a really good bike handler, and I wouldn't want to do it. It just makes the day that much longer and much more difficult. Plus conditions will dictate if it's super dry and fast, there's a lot of places you can get away with it. But you know, it's sandy and it, I don't it's just not the right tool. Um, I don't ever want to tell anybody the wrong tool, but I pretty much discourage the use of road bikes.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's good to hear. Um, because everybody always wants to go skinnier and like lighter. And it's like at some point, no. you know, that's not that that's not gonna help you. Nope. Um, when did when did the Pebbler come up? Like how did that happen?
1: Well, we had more people that wanted it was sort of like um, um, by the request of the of the customer so which is absolutely how I consider you know my cobblers like they're all customers so I always refer to the group collectively as cobblers so we just had some people that said hey I can't can I turn around? actually how it started was they said I can't do the whole distance can we turn around at some point or can we do this or that and that was sort of the beginning of like good no rules like just keep things as basic as we can and most of them were local or some of them were from out of town. And I was like, sure, when you get to this mile, mm-hmm. you can turn here and do that. Well, as things grew, I kind of needed to formalize it because even though we don't call it a race, we do have the timing, we make it formal so people get, get their money's worth. So the timing guy said, look, people are coming back and we're trying to keep track. So why <laughs> don't you just do a shorter distance? And, um, and at first, we didn't want to do it because it was sort of that staunch thing of like, hey, it's the cobbler we want to keep it as basic as possible but you know it really kind of made sense and and it works out to get people back let them enjoy as much of the experience as they want and even now i don't advertise it but if they're doing the full pebble or the full cobbler and they want to cut at the at the split they can always do that and we always just tell them scouts honor it's like just go tell the timing guys you cut it short and there's you know there's no there's no foul or shame in any part of it like you know i don't care if people don't finish i want them all to finish but if you came out and achieved, you achieved. And that's, 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 that's what it's all about is we say everybody is a winner at the cobbler. That's why we don't have winners. We only have first finisher. Yeah,
0: that's cool. Yeah, Yeah. you do feel that. I mean, that is the vibe. What do the locals think of all of this? Are they?
1: Yeah, it's um, so funny you said that. I was looking last night at the little heat signature map from Bike Ridge. And obviously, Southern California, they're they're grabbing cities, but Bakersfield has the largest um, participant number if you take it by a city. Now, if you're gonna go from, let's even just say North Hollywood to San Diego, yeah, that's gonna be radically higher. But um, I thought that was really pretty cool to see um, as many local people as we have now participating. And for me to hear it, like I work at a bike shop and so people come in and a lot of times they don't know that I'm the promoter of the event. So we have some postcards or info and people like, oh yeah, the cobbler, you know, I hear it referred to as the cobbler and it just kind of gives me goosebumps because it, it's not about, it's not for me, it's for the community. And so I, I get super stoked when I see that. So we, I I'm beyond blessed with people that want to help and want to give up their time. And I, I actually have a pretty good paid crew now because it's just gotten too big to do everything myself. But yeah, I'm humbly grateful that we have the community out, outreach that we do. I had a guy this morning say, hey, I can't ride what do you want? I'll be there with my truck. I'll run sag. I'll do whatever. And I get a lot of that. It starts to build. And just, I'm very, very grateful.
0: And then what about like when you do the course, you're like, Hey, your house
1: is right on this our course.
0: <laughs> Can we use your house? Is that how it goes or uh,
1: um, the house thing in the past was a good family friend. And yes, his, his house is always generally around the course. So um He's a pretty wild and crazy dude. So that, that would be taco man also known oh. as Randy Martin. So um, Randy is a very good friend and a, and a very good sport, but he, when the cobbler sort of started, he's been around since day one. Also, he, he dressed up like a taco one year. And so now everybody knows him as taco man. Cause he'll get around. <laughs> he gets all over the course. I mean, the guy wears himself out and then he'll do interviews and goofy videos and he's, he's just a hoot. So yeah, you know, sometimes the same thing happens. We start having a few beers and, and pretty soon an idea gets hatched. And I, his wife was the one that actually said, hey, why don't you know, sure, let's do it. And we all looked at her like, you're going to let us ride through your house. So that was um, that was another good milestone for us.
0: I heard about it and made me think about what a what a unique like opportunity or experience that you're you're giving people. I mean, there's nothing else, nothing like that out there. What are some good stories that come up for you when you think, when you look back at the last 10 years that you're like, obviously the inaugural race probably was something, you know, 50 people. I'm assuming no entry fee. You know, you guys probably had, I don't know how you guys did the course, but like, what are things that come up that you're like, oh, I remember that. Um,
1: um Oh, you know, cumulatively, I'm just, I get so happy to see everybody at the event. Like the best memories for me are um, obviously, you know, the, the course is really my big thing. I, I now have such a good team. The food is going to fall into place. The merchandise falls into place. Like all the all the other things take care of themselves. For me, it's when I see people on Friday, I see everybody ready to leave Saturday. And then collectively, when they're just blown out, tired, eating sharing war stories. Like that for me is the best reward cumulatively of all the events. I can pick out little things like the time we rolled the beach balls down the hill and people were kicking the beach balls. And just, I mean, I can think of a lot of shenanigans stuff that's been a lot of fun, but I think that for me is the best reward. Like anytime I go to another event, which I just don't get out as often as I want to, but we, we're still in, my team and I are still involved with BWR in a, in a food aspect. And we get to go to San Diego every year and so we get out enough that that same thing happens at a lot of those events too. And I think any promoter or anybody involved with an event looks at, yeah, there's the business side, if it's business, and then there's just the satisfaction. And so I love the satisfaction of people on bikes, people having a good time and doing something healthy, and then just, you know, keeping them guessing and saying, God, you know, what are we going to do this year? What are we, What's going to be next? What what other unique gift can he think of? So I I just like that whole little package. Um, riding through the house, you know, beach balls. There, there's always shenanigans, stuff that's fun. But I, man, I just, I love, I love the people. Um, that mm-hmm. just makes it for me. And the cobbler is, I think one thing is unique. The, the only pat on the back I like to give myself is that people have started, well, not started. They've been getting it for a while. Like they come and they want to come back. And um, we usually average about 60% returning and 40% new. So that's tracked pretty consistently. So um, that is just people that consider themselves cobblers and they get my brain and they get what we're trying to accomplish and why we do goofy, really hard stuff. Like, why in the hell am I walking up this hill? But then they get it. (laughs) Some people don't always get it. There's a few people I'm sure have had their share, but but, uh, I just think that's just, you know, that's what's awesome. That's the best.
0: All right. So now I have to ask, <laughs> just put it out there because um, because it was just such an iconic thing. W- what did you think about the whole thing that happened with
1: the bull? Like, So I'll just state for the record that people have joked at me like, man, how did you do that? And I said, look, I'm, I'm a mildly crazy. I'm not insane. <laughs> I said that was not planned. I said, we've ridden past bulls and cattles every year, every year, I mean, okay. within proximity and never never been an issue, never thought twice about it. There's people taking pictures with them. I mean, a bunch of stuff. What happened last year, I talked to the rancher afterwards and we have a great mitigation plan in place this year, but the cattle that was, was on this particular section was not anywhere near any of the core stuff in all the lead-ups. So the weekend of... I guess they were probably moving some cattle and didn't really think about the direction of the course. So they were just in this particular draw. Well, most of them started to scatter, but what happens with bulls is they get tired and when they don't wanna run anymore, they don't wanna run anymore. So it's a combination of a lot of people and 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 being in this kind of a canyon to get through. Um, so everybody was good. I, I knew every person personally. One of them um, is a longtime cycle cross friend from Vegas. One of them is a local pastor. Um, was a friend of mine the other one was my was and his wife is still currently our trek bicycle rep Um, and then the fourth one was a uh, not a good personal friend but really good friends with some people that helped me um, help at the event so in hindsight it's like what are the odds that all four people directly involved are people that I you know relatively know and, and some of them know well So luckily, everybody had a good laugh and a good beer, and it didn't, it was not a problem. But yeah, I don't, I don't want to repeat that. So while it garnered us attention, I want the cobbler to be known for the cobbler. Yeah, that's not, um, that's not in my wheelhouse of shenanigans. So we've we've got a pretty good plan in place this year to sort of mitigate that and make sure we don't have an issue.
0: Well, you definitely got yourself out there and your name out there from that YouTube video.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, I know. And I guess the only saving grace out of that is all of them were laughing, you know, the most oh. of them would be like, hey, can we bring our matatour capes? And hey, yeah. we wanted, we're want gonna have bull t-shirts. And I'm like, oh, gosh, I'm like, you guys do whatever you want. I'm gonna focus on making yeah. sure we're safe, make sure we have a good event.
0: Yeah, I actually was there when I saw it happen in front of me. You know, it was quite the experience. And I'll tell you that uh, on the course um the group um stayed together like all of a sudden we worked as a team yeah. like yep. we would help each other out and people would hear say hey don't go that way and they would we, like we'd yell at them like you really shouldn't be going that way and we would we all walk to the side and around um safely and we kept, like watched each other so I don't know if you heard that part of it
1: but I did yes yeah thank you by the way
0: yeah it was uh, uh got some good pictures too um so you mentioned working at a bike shop. So what does Sam do when you're not cobbling?
1: <laughs> yeah. So I work at a local shop called Action Sports. Um, oh. We're pretty big store, twenty thousand square feet. So wow. um, that's that's been a big part of my life as well for a number of years. When I when I was younger and racing and doing stuff, it was actually my first bicycle. I take that back. It was my second bicycle industry job. Um, but I helped open that business in, in 1990, or excuse me, 1988. Wow. And so we've been in business ever since. And so I manage the store now. Um, my I call him my my boss, but also my partner, um, Kerry Ryan, is, is um, just kind of a local legend. I mean, he's been around a long time and, and everybody knows him. And, and so we're grateful to have a very successful business there. And so I've been back and forth a few times over the years. And, and I, I went to buy a tube. Or something about four years ago, and as soon as I walked in, he was just screaming at me from across the store, and he's like, "I gotta have you back, whatever it takes." And so I've been back since, and you know, I'm 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 not going anywhere. I'll I'll finish out my my most less, less my professional uh, working time there. But worked in the restaurant business a lot in between um, that job.
0: Okay, and that's where you because that's I remember well. Your food was del- is delicious at the cobbler, and then I remember you at the BWR. So. It's- is that a side business? Like you have your own? Yeah, rest-
1: it was. So for my last tenure of being self-employed before I went back to work at Action, we, you know, I was doing a bunch of other things, working from home. Um, I won't go into every other aspect of my life, but yeah, I, I spent a lot of time in the restaurant business. I grew up in it. My my aunt owned a restaurant, uh, like a cafe. So my mom worked uh, as a waitress and a cocktail server, and my grandmother worked at a real famous place in town when, um, you know, way back like in the late '30s and early '40s. So I've always been around it. Um, no, nothing professional, but I had a really lot of good opportunities to open some local restaurants and work in them for a long time. So I garnered a lot of food experience. So we started doing food for our before even before the cobbler for some of the cycle cross races and mountain bike race, um, and even a couple of the road races that we used to do. So as we continue to kind of collect equipment, we just, you know, had it. But BWR was our first outside endeavor. So after we rode the event, um, that year, the, the there, there really was no food, like they had a little, little tiny truck. And so there there's all these people standing around just like zombies in the Spy Sunglass parking lot. And I remember coming home, like we, we went to like a, famous Dave's barbecue or something. Cause we were starving. And I think a week and a half later, I sent Michael Marks an email and I was like, you really should consider hiring us for next year to do the food at BWR. And not within five minutes, he emailed right back and he said, hired. And, <laughs> and I think he kind of got it. So we, I had done, he'd come to one of our cross races. Like we kind of knew each other, but not well. So I told my buddies, I'm like, Oh, holy shit, here we go. I'm like, we're going to go to BWR and cook. And they're like, what are you doing? said i don't know but we'll figure it out so we did and and we've been at bwr every year now for it'll be 10 years this year so
0: yes uh,
1: yeah we did we hired out for several other events not a lot most of them actually in cycling we did um we did the nosco ride one year we did santa cruz grand fondo but you know it's just hard because all of us have other full-time jobs so it it sort of waned in that like yeah it's a side business but i think you know really bwr is the only other thing we do now and Mm -hmm. in our and the cobbler of course but um, yeah, you know, you when you have trailers and all this equipment, it's like it needs to get used. So, um, yeah, that's kind of where that started was, uh, was going down to San Diego.
0: Awesome. Well, the beans are delicious. I don't always eat like it's baked beans,
1: right? Um, we do a couple. We do like either the the kind of garlic Italian ones there's a local place that does these just white beans and, and kind of a vinaigrette and they're just so good I mean they're Again. a meal unto themselves yeah or we'll do like a uh, kind of a Mexican style or we'll do it depending upon weather then we'll do you know hot beans too so yeah the you know the beans work because you've got an eclectic demographic of people that are vegetarian or vegan and then other people are like give me all the meat and so you know we try to make sure we hit all the hit all the points
0: yeah, well, that's it's delicious and it's good to hear because I didn't know honestly if that was your main thing. I thought you were yeah.
1: You know. Not never main, but just sort of there there was a period of time for a couple of years where I had way too many jobs. <laughs> I was doing <laughs> like five different things, and that was one of them. But uh the bike shop is now back to kind of singular focus. Hit the cobbler, um, hit BWR and, and that's it.
0: Yeah. I wanted to go back to the cobbler um because. The lineup is uh, pretty with, I guess, with the professionals um, growing or has been grown. There's you don't get any UCI points. There's like not, there's no podium. So the people that show up are there for the experience and just to, you know, I guess race. But what, how is that involved And in like when you see Pete Stetna coming? Like he's like one of your favorites, right? Not favorites, but like he's there every year.
1: Yeah. Well, um, yeah, I think so. There's, there's a twofold answer to that question. Um, I have a marketing team, uh, Steve Driscoll and Chris Hold yes. at lift creative. So, you know, they, um, Steve has been a cobbler for a while. And I remember one year when we were lengthwise at the local brewery, um, Steve was just like standing next to me and he's just coming out of his skin. He's like, so excited about what we do. Like it was a true cobbler. He like got it. And he was like, that trail was so rad and I've never done anything like that. And I thought I was going to fall off the side. Like he just went on and on. And I was like, this guy really digs us. And it was, it, again, it was very humbling. We were just laughing and like, oh man. So, you know, fast forward a few years, I, truthfully, I didn't know that marketing and that was the sort of thing that he did. We ran into him down South at a um, one of John Hornbeck's little gravel rides. And he was putting up like a truss and all this stuff. And I was like, huh. So he kind of ebbed it in. He's like, "Well, you know, if I can ever help in any way." So that was sort of the the ball rolling. So those guys have been instrumental in in helping me grow the cobbler. Like they they see a bigger vision than I do, and I'm always the one hitting the brakes. I'm like, "I don't want, I don't need all the pro people. I don't you know like I, I just want the cobbler to be the cobbler." And I think we've been able to maintain that aspect. But they've said, "Okay, we get it. We know you want to do Bakersfield stuff and just kind of keep this little nucleus." But you know, you still have a a marketable thing and let's just do this, this, and this. So they started kind of reaching out to some of those guys beyond, you know, our, our local legends of, you know, Tinsman and Tinker Juarez coming and some of those people. So when Pete was getting into the gravel thing, that was their spot. They said, look, let's just talk to a few people. We'll give them the gist of the event. They know there's no money. They know you don't like everybody's on the same playing field. They just want to probably get them to come ride for training. Like it's a great time of year to, to, you know, get, get busy. And so that, I think that's, there's a little bit of word of mouth and, and Pete was super instrumental last year in kind of putting the feather in the hat of like, you guys need to come do this because it's just unclassifiable was, was his famous statement. And that was, that was pretty rad. So, you know, I get contacted by a few people and then Driscoll and those guys come to me and I'm like, well, here's the deal. You know, everybody gets the same thing and this is just how it is. And I think, they, I think they actually respect and like it. They're not the guys that come are more in tune with wanting to come have a unique experience, wanting to come feel the vibe. It's a really, you know, it's a hard course. So they get, they get all of it. Um, and just, I, I like that, you know, and I've told them like, yeah, it's, it's never going to be a race. Like I'm never going to have this sort of thing. It's just, it needs to be what it needs to be. And, um, So I think they all get it. And that's, that's nice too. You know, it's my, I'm here for everybody, like the A, B, and C writer. Um, I want them all to have a phenomenal experience.
0: Sam, this has been really, really fun to talk to you. I do have like one other thing that came up. It seems like one thing that comes up through your life is that you have an idea and you just go on it, you know, Hey, I had this idea, Michael Marks, I want you to hire me done yeah. move on like is that your life or do you always you get an idea that's so burning that you're like and that how you encourage I don't know if you have children but is that what you encourage people around you like go for it
1: yeah I mean leading by example is um is a definitely a hallmark in my life I would like even my staff at work now I mean showing a good work ethic and a good um Oh, you know, being motivated to get the job done and and doing things. To your original point, I'm definitely curious by nature. I I, I've always been that way, and I think when I wanted to put on events, you know, I was out in the garage building tables for registration and just so. Yeah, sometimes I just go and go and go and go and go, and, and sometimes I do it too quickly and don't always stop and think like, oh, I could have done this smarter, easier. I don't need to do that at all. Like, why am I doing it? But yeah, I, I I fall into the doer category, and so when I kind of latch onto something, I go in full tilt. So I've quelled it over the years. I've learned to be a little bit more methodical and um, and kind of control stuff. But you know, the the motto for me is also life is an experience. You know, it's 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 a journey, not so much a destination. And so I'm that guy that wants to cram as much into my journey as I can. Um, both for me, but then, you know, obviously I do have two kids, I have a beautiful son and daughter and an amazing wife. So we, we all work with a really good ethic. Like my kids have gotten that, which just makes me feel successful as a parent that they're motivated. They're, they're seeking out their path in life and doing really good stuff. And, um, you know, and they both help with the cobbler. So that's, they, and they like to help. Uh, mostly because they get paid but uh <laughs> they definitely do a great job for me and so yeah I just i like to go man i just wanna i want to do things i want to you know be involved and and i just want to share but I just I, you know my, my original point that I said earlier i just get so much satisfaction out of seeing people happy and the same thing happens with you know the little bit of food that we do when we go surf fry uh, fruits and waffles and do all of that and we've done it Vwr it's like It's we we feel so good that you know people are enjoying. So you know that's that's sort of the the theme I guess is you know making sure people have a great time. And we treat them like you know I want people to be customers. I I really feel like they have a choice where they can spend their money and what they can go do. That's why I spend. I mean, if I could pan over, there's 47 cartons sitting in my living room of of special gifts and merchandise and stuff. And so. You know, I I can't ever imagine charging somebody. I feel like I still charge people a lot, and there's some events out there uh-huh. now charging you know two hundred dollars. And yeah. I I have people that go, and I'm like, well, what'd you get? And they're like, well, not much. And I'm like, that's insane. Like I want people to leave here with like, carrying things. So I um I just I want to always the cobbler to be just a, a big party, a hard ride, a big party, and and you get a lot of stuff. So and a good and just a walk away happy.
0: Yeah, well you you do you do that very well Sam um and I'm excited to come back my husband and I will be there. Um I'm still on the fence of which one to do. I know I need to make that decision soon.
1: You, you can make it like I said, you can even make it right day. You can oh, that's right. you can you can get to the checkpoint and be like, oh, I'm done. So no worries. Yeah,
0: yeah. Well, thank you for your time. I'm sure you got more to do today, um, and just in the next few weeks. So um i'm very grateful to have this time to learn more about you and more about the cobbler and you definitely lead by example your reputation precedes you for sure so thank you for your time
1: thank you that's very nice to hear yeah i appreciate the opportunity and i will very much look forward to seeing you guys
0: welcome back everybody thank you so much for listening to this local legends with sam i enjoy this conversation a lot as i said it was great to learn more about him and his style of how he learned how to do triathlons just by making making it up wearing shoes on his first race, all that good stuff. Maybe you thought about your own experience, um, training and racing for your first race and, um, how endearing and fun that is to just go out and just, just figure it out. So, uh, if you're going to the rock Club, I will see you this weekend and, um, have a great rest of your day. And again, thank you so much for listening to local legends.